Actually, my um, freshman and sophomore year roommate was a guy named Justin Shears. And Justin, if you're listening, hey. talk to you a little bit about um a new hobby of mine on twitter yes and uh if you've looked at my twitter stream from today uh you probably gotta look like probably eight posts down by now because i've you know retweeted stuff or said something stupid um but a new hobby of mine is to search gnarles barkley in the Twitter search and to correct everybody who thinks that Gnarls Barkley is a person. Hmm. And uh, if you look at my Twitter stream right now, I probably sent out 40, 40 at replies today telling people that uh, because I have like a deep, deep, like I, f- I feel obligated to, make that correction right there because because CeeLo CeeLo is a pioneer CeeLo is a pioneer and he's been he's been around for like 20 years I'd say I mean I don't know I don't know specifics and for the people who are only aware of CeeLo's work for the past three years it just bothers me it does and I and I'm lashing out and I'm using Twitter to do it and I'm not mean in my corrections but I make the correction. Well, there's simple corrections. Uh, most of them just say Gnarls Barkley is the name of a band. Yeah, right. I don't. I'm not degrading at all. And if they engage me, you know, I further engage them. But uh, yeah, I did that all on my phone today in, at work. <laughs> <laughs> your boss come by. You're like, I'm just hold on. I just got to finish these corrections. People don't yeah, it's understand. Like, it's really important. Listen. Now, I came into Gnarls Barkley with Crazy, the song Crazy, and probably most people did and got to know who CeeLo Green was through that. Is that so he goes back way, way back from that, obviously. Yeah, significantly further. The the group Goody Mob has been around. Let's let's think let's look let's look how long Goody Mob's been around. Um at least as long as Outcast. Are they from Atlanta? It's- yeah, oh yeah. So they're part of the Dungeon Family. The Dungeon Family is like a hip hop collective, maybe you would call it. You know, it's like it's not really a record label, um, and it's not like a one single group. I mean, the music of Goody Mob and the music of Silo uh, now is pretty different. He's yeah. got a lot more pop influence. Um, well, he's on he's on the Voice now. I mean, that's yeah, I know, right? Sold it's, out. Exactly. Uh, that is kind of selling out. Um, but the thing about the Dungeon family is that they're uh, – all, all, all of the Dungeon family is that they've kind of reached a lot of commercial success while still, like, staying true to certain aspects and, like, still doing unique things. And, you know, if you look at, like, you know, Andre 3000, like, he's in, you know, a lot of big Hollywood movies. 
um, and has some like really pop songs like Heya. Heya has a great video too. Yeah, definitely Heya has a great video. And if you've never seen it, it's it's um, what's the guy's name again? Andre three thousand. Andre right, Andre three thousand, and he's dressed up as uh, jockeys. Um, and he he's playing all the different parts in the song, and I, I think actually in the recording he's actually playing all the different parts in the song. Um, but he's, he's on got, like a nineteen sixty. What's that? They've all got names and stuff. The characters that he's playing in the video, he's yeah. got like little sub names for. You know, I was like, what was it like, Gladys Knight and the Pips? Is that right? Mm-hmm. So like, he has like these little sub names for all the. Well, I think one of the one of the references they're making at that point. One of the big references to the video is, of course, the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show, um, right? In 1964, um, they actually do. They have like a family in 1964, like dancing along to the TV, and it's like black and white, uh, 60s TV. Um, and that's and it, remember, did you do, do, did you ever see that thing you do? They did they did the same thing, whereas they you know they went through and they put their names on. Um, Every uh, oh every yeah, person. the wonders, right? Yeah, the wonders, and and uh, the famous thing is that John Lennon had the caption, you know, d- something like uh, "Sorry, ladies, he's married," and they do the the same thing to one of the characters in the the Outcast video. One of the one of the funny things I always found about the Hey Ya video is uh, there's a coffin in the middle of the set. It's not really referenced. Um, and if you, if you're not looking for it, it's really, really easy to miss because the whole set is green and black. And, um, if you don't yeah, you see it right there in the picture, I think yeah. that's what you're talking about. Um, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm wrong. They're not all, they're not all jockeys. The, the backup singers are jockeys. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, you got to watch out for the coffin in the middle. I'm not sure if that has any special significance. I'm sure it does, but. Is one of these people not Andre? Is one of these big boy in in this band? No, no, no. The guy at the beginning is big boy. Oh right, okay. No, they, yeah, they're all I haven't Andre. seen the video in a while. I'm just looking at a picture right now, like just trying to remember. And the director of that is uh, Brian Barber. Brian Barber. Oh, uh, another. Oh, forgot another thing about this video is that um, if you play the these the, like the so the, the two singles. If you're not familiar with. Uh, the speaker box and love below it was a double album so one cd was speaker box and then by big boy and one was the love below by andre 3000 they appeared at intervals on on each record but mostly it was just one or the other and then they instead of having like one lead single they there's one lead single from each of the albums and the other one was the way you move uh featuring chris brown i think right um Sleepy Brown. Sleepy Brown, right. And uh, if you play the two videos back to back, they actually uh, play seamlessly into each other. Yeah, right. One leads into the other, right. Um, so this is a new thing we're doing. We're going to talk about, we're, we talk about music videos. How about this? It's a novel, novel approach. We talk about music videos the whole time. It's <laughs> fucking weird. No, no. We can do that. What do you what do you uh, what do you what do you like about our friend Mr. Jason Goldwatch? Because this was a really great interview. He's a really awesome guy. Uh, I mean, the uh, you know, I, I guess there's a lot to be said about it. A director who does more than one video for for an artist, especially a big name artist. Um, 
And Jason Goldwatch has several of those examples. Um, well, I guess we should it, say. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say it's it's not. There's not many names that you only see once on his page. Right. And before we go any further, we should say that uh, that the uh, guest for this week's podcast is a music video director by the name of Jason Goldwatch. And he, if you look up his name on the site, he's got a lot of videos to his name. He's been doing this for a long time. You might recognize some of the names. Uh, Kid Cudi, Evidence, Dilated Peoples, Buster Rhymes, um, Ludacris, Jay-Z, Common, um, Cool Keith. Uh, J Electronica, just a lot, of, and and a lot of those names appear uh, two or three times. They're in the case of you know Evidence and Kid Cudi, you know maybe four or five times. Uh, he has a lot of range of style. He's got a lot of um, he's done a lot of documentary style uh, videos, which we talk about a lot, and a lot of um, uh, you know narrative style videos. He's also got a lot of really funny comedy stuff. And um, and a lot of things that have to do with uh, marijuana use, uh, either growing or smoking it on camera. Yes, he d- he has all of those all of those things present. What's your favorite? I mean, what's your favorite JG? I don't. I don't we probably can't call him JG, but what's your favorite Jason Goldwater? Yeah, we don't know him that we don't know him that well yet. Uh, you know, my, my favorite Jason Goldwatch video. You would think it would be. Uh, Cutter is back because that's the was one of my picks of the week uh, recently. Uh, but I'm actually going to go with uh, Evidence to be continued as my favorite Jason Goldwatch video. Um, I think it's uh, really unique, especially for a rap video. Um, and if, if for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's basically uh, Evidence on a roller coaster. And Jason Goldwatch is like holding, it's like holding the iPhone in front of his face, or you know, kind of like a handheld camera in front of his face, and he's just rapping the song while on the roller coaster. And uh, I don't know, to me, there's something really, uh, really kind of impressive about that. That these two guys with all this, you know, all this pedigree, you know, just just kind of going out and hopping on a roller coaster. And it's a great video. Mine is "Soundtrack to My Life" by Kid Cudi. Uh, because a lot of people do the um, sort of documentary style videos. Those are those are, I guess you could call them moderately popular. Not among really big budget videos, but um, a lot of people a lot of people have done those. <clears throat> and soundtrack to my life, I think, is is definitely the best I've ever seen. And I think it really comes down to the editing. You'll hear Jason does his own editing, and he's pretty adamant about you know about uh, music video directors. Or, you know, creators in general doing their own editing, which I think is great. So without uh, without further ado, uh, let's check out uh, our interview with Jason Goldwatch. Appreciate the attention, man. Nice, nice. Yeah, no, we we uh we've been running the site for may- like uh maybe three months or so or f- or four months, and you have by far the most videos on it. Um, you you're a pretty prolific guy, uh, as an understatement. Um, anyway, I just wanted to uh to start off by um asking you about 
something I read about on your blog. Uh, when you're making your first music video, the three MCs for Dilated Peoples, um, and you mentioned you stole the footage from Costco. It was, you shot on yeah. Super 8. And so two questions. Uh, Costco really developed Super 8 film at one point, and, yeah. and how did you pull that off? How did you pull off the stealing of such said film? Um, Costco did f- develop film at one point. And they'd be in those funny envelopes with all other people's photographs. I've always looked at people's photographs and I would go grab that shit. But we'd put it in a cart and, you know, my girlfriend at the time had my car running outside. And she would just pull up out front. I would run out with the cart, jump in the car, and I was right by the freeway and we'd just bone out. I, didn't, I mean, I wouldn't I'd try that now. <laughs> and what, what year was that? God. Uh, 90. So, how well, did... I don't know. 90 something. So what what was the the, the lead up to uh, making that first music video? Was it just like a spur of the moment thing, or had you had you been thinking about making a video for a while? No, I'd already been. I actually posted something more recently with AC Alone. That was like the first real um, sort of official business video where I was like, oh shit, you know what I mean? These 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 can actually be little photographs or little things. These don't have to be you know you know what music videos were at that time, which were pretty terrible. But it was a thing, I don't know, I'd been working with other people, and, um, you know, a guy I'd met in San Francisco, Madchild, from Swollen Members, was friends with Evidence, and was like, yo, you got to check out this dude's work, and then, you know, Ev saw some of my shit, and we were both potheads, and I don't know, it was just perfect timing. He, he, I sort of needed someone to latch onto, as did sort of dilated in a way for a visual thing, you know, and they were smart enough to understand that at the time. I think they're one of the first groups with, like, a fucking website and, you know, that whole... They, they understood the media shit way before a lot a lot of people did, so I think they were just smart enough to let me in, you know? And, you know, speaking of kind of that promotion aspect, you know, having a website, and you put your name on the beginning of all your videos. Why did you start doing that, and, and, and how has that helped you? I mean, that's sort of been a weird... Um, evolution of a bunch of things but initially you know they used to always misspell my name on videos they used to always spell it w-a-t-c-h which isn't legally how my name is spelled legally it's just w-a-c-h you know and so that would be a, some fiasco of me trying to call someone and get it fixed and you know i mean i was in college and my videos first started dropping so i wouldn't even see them you know what i mean i wasn't i didn't have fucking cable you know, i was like in the pool like tripping or whatever you know what i mean <laughs> i wasn't watching bet for my shit so it was like eventually i just i just you know took what was given to me in a way and, and sort of you know, put my arms around Goldwatch, which has, you know, been a gift, which I've now come to realize. But the other thing, too, is all these fucking, you know, DJs put on their bullshit drops all the time. And it's like just total self-promotion. And it's like, damn, I do all these videos, kill myself. And it's like, you know, there's no differentiation from for some people between my videos and some douchebag with a shitty camera is running around, you know? So I was like, yo, if I'm really going to make this Goldwatch jump and, like, attempt to brand this shit and go hard, really... I need to really make sure people know what it is. And also, it's just sort of alluded to the fact that these are films. These are shorts. This isn't fucking, you know what I mean? I'm not screwing around. Now you, you mentioned that, that they're films. You know, a lot of your videos have a documentary style to them. Um, you know, even you know, starting with the 3MCs video and even something like Cutter's Back, the Kid Cudi video, and, and Soundtrack to My Life, and a lot of other videos yeah. um, that you do. You know, a lot of documentary filmmakers talk about like they create in the edit. Um, is that something that you think applies to you? Do you do you think yourself as a documentary filmmaker in that sense? Sure. I mean, I, I think I create in the edit. I think I'm a pretty good editor. But it's also once you understand the edit, you understand how to shoot for the edit. You know what I mean? You understand 
oh, this is a great moment. What do I, I what do I need? I need a cutaway of this, and I need this. I need to put, and you start to put that it together in your head. Well, I do at least while I'm shooting. Like, oh, I need, I need this, I need that to complete this little joke or to follow up with someone. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think if you're shooting film and not editing shit, you're, you're not. You know what I mean? You do half of your shit. You know what I mean? It's like you take photographs, you're not going to develop and print them. Like, what's the matter with you? <laughs> you know, I try to retain as much control for as long as possible. It's also just sort of it's not so much documentary for me as it is just sort of like the the access and the sort of um, I don't know sort of intimate intimate moments with these people you know what I mean that are real real sincere and genuine and real and just not some day at, on some set you know yeah so how do those those intimate moments that you describe kind of mix with them kind of lip syncing their own lyrics because a lot of your videos you know it'll be you know it'll seem like you've got you know, such such access to these artists and stuff, and then suddenly, you know, they'll look at the camera and say the lyrics that are on the, you know, that are coming up on the song. How do those two elements mix together? Um, again, I think it's part of it's being it's being a participant. It's not about being a spectator when when you do these things. And for me, a lot of my work, <clears throat> I, I, I'll hang with an artist for a while. It's not like I do a fucking Rick Ross video and then I'm doing you know something else. It's like. Yeah, I'm rolling with Cuddy for a while, and it's sort of you develop a much more intimate relationship, and a much more sort of, you know, you become you become part of what's going on. So a lot of times it's not, yo, Cud, rap these lyrics. It's fucking he's been running the song on his laptop for an hour, deciding whether he wants to leak it, and I've been shooting other shit. And I'm like, yo, this might actually be an opportunity for us to do something. You know what I mean? It just sort of, in those situations, develops that way very naturally, just because of the access and just being on all the time, just be tripping on everything and be like, you know, just constantly just being open and being like oh this right this moment right here is amazing like i need to fucking get this right and you know flip the flip the little fucking you know the reason he started kicking it to the camera is i was already sitting there and i just flipped the a little screen on the side of the camera around so he could see himself you know i didn't, I didn't tell him to kick that verse it was just that was what was going on in his world at that moment you know is that from the cutters back video yeah we were just in a hotel room smoking weed you know the um <clears throat> You know, you're, you know, a part of the video a lot in, in those documentary style videos. Do you consider yourself kind of uh, kind of a character of sorts? Because you're always implicitly there. I mean, you're you're the person behind the camera. There's no there's no question as to who, you know, the person is interacting with when they're interacting with somebody on the other side. Um, yeah, of course. And even more so, you know, the longer you, you hang with people, the more comfortable they become. The less they perceive that camera as a device, you know what I mean? The more they perceive it as a, just an extension of you, you know? Yeah. And that's when you're really kicking. Is when it's just like, you know, everybody, the, put the cameras away, put the cameras away. Fuck that, you know what I mean? Everyone else leaves the, the back or whatever, the green room. I'm staying and we're still shooting and it's like, that's that real shit, you know what I mean? It's like I always say, you know, some people show up to my sets, like photographers or whatever, and they'll shoot photos of the artist on my set. You know, with my art direction and my concept, like that's so cheap, dude. You know, how are you gonna do that? Or it's like, I sort of think shooting at shows is a little bit cheap. You know what? You know, unless you're rolling with that dude. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, they actually do that. They'll, they'll, a photographer will come onto the set and use your, your art direction. I mean, I don't want to sound like a dick, but you know, I mean, show up and take pictures. Oh, yo, let me get a picture, Cuddy. Oh, we'll stand in front. Of, you know, and then it's all of a sudden it's like, well, fuck, that, fo that photograph looks like what it took me fucking a month to get here, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just, I mean, whatever. It is what it is, but I just mean, to me, it's more than just shooting a show. It's, you know, getting into that artist's complex life, you know, and being there for the show and being there when it's, everyone else is told to leave. It's like, no, my man stays because we're making something. This isn't, you know what I mean? It's not just, you know what I'm saying? Making some bullshit. This is like, 
there's a focus to what we're doing. The um, I mean, that takes a lot of effort to kind of, you know, stay with that artist and get immersed in that world. I mean, how do you choose an artist that you want to do that with? Um, I mean, do they choose do they choose you, or, or is it more like you reach out to them and uh, of you know the best of what you think is going on? I can't honestly say. I mean, I've sort of, I think, and I don't know. This is just from my, you know, from the inside looking out. Who knows really what's what's happening? But for me, it seems like I was lucky enough to roll with Dilated, which which I think put me on on the Los Angeles sort of map thing. And we did Decon, and then we ended up hooking with Pharrell, and like I think. But, a lot of the stuff we do with Pharrell didn't even come out, but it's like we did that first documentary that came out with that Neptunes album, which which was weird, you know, was allowed to be sort of experimental. I don't know, man. And then it was like, you know, I just I, I worked around with Young Buck for a long time, and you know, we went on the road, and made a bunch of shit, and a lot of that shit didn't come out too. But some photographs came out, and a couple of videos came out. I just think it sort of became a thing where it was like, this is the artist that can connect with the with the weird ones in a way. You know what I mean? It's like I did the Def Jux DVD, which is weird to people. And how did you come across uh, Kid Cudi? Um, I got... I would just... Um, I mean, I know him in a bunch of different ways, but the way we started working together was just... They sent me to Europe. He was on a European run, even before his album came out. And, uh, you know, Dan Knight was hot. We did a European run. And they, I'd be, the label just sent me over there to just shoot what I could with him and try and create something. We ended up, like, really getting along. I fucking met Caslo and we're boys, and, you know, Emil and playing Pat. And I was like, those are my boys, dude. So I was just like, oh, what's up? Like, <laughs> what up? You know what I mean? So then on, on that run, you know, I created a bunch of shit. And then I was like, all right. You know, the next couple of days when I got back, I just chopped it, chopped the shit out of it and put it to music and sent it over to him. And was like, yo, this is what we're doing here. And, and then from then on, it was pretty much like, yo, call, go watch. Tell him, you know, just like call me up and I'm at a show or I'm on a plane or whatever it is. And we're just making this shit. I don't really know how it... I mean, I just think I'm sort of lucky enough and talented enough to connect with people that I really love working with. And I think, you know... Cuddy, I love working with that dude, and we both make each other laugh, and it's fun, and we make amazing shit. And I think when you get into that sort of rit- rhythm with like a fellow artist, it's just it's just what you know, it just comes natural. It's from an artist perspective rather than you know anything else, collaborators, whatever. Now, uh, pot plays a pretty big role in a few of your videos, and just just out of curiosity, you know, there's there's some where it's just you know usage. Um, and then there's, you know, instances like the Blueberry Yum Yum video where you're like in a grow house. Um, is there, do you ever run into like, you know, legal issues with that, with that sort of showing that sort of thing with that sort of access? I haven't yet. I haven't yet. You know, and part of my shit too, I was just, I was talking to someone about a High Times article today and I was like, yo, I'm all about, that shit to me isn't, um, you know, here, here we are. You know, here we are in Amsterdam smoking weed. You know, to me, it's like, yo, this is a, a plant, dude. And this is normal in a lot of cultures. And, like, fuck this system trying to, like, shut down us expanding our minds, bro. Like, that's really what I'm on with that shit. And, like, <clears throat> there's a couple films I'm working on now. And even the stuff with Cuddy, that shit's psychedelic to me. You know what I mean? That shit, that's supposed to, like, open you up and take you somewhere. So, yeah, a lot of pot. I have a lot of photographs of pot. I love smoking pot, but it's like, I'm not sitting on my couch, dude. You know what I mean? It's like I'm trying to fucking change the way people think about shit, including that plant. You know what I mean? Have you been involved in, uh, we're totally with you on that, by the way, but have you been involved with, um, you know, like any like movements to, for, for legalization? Or do you see yourself as just kind of making it more, you know, normal to see it on video and, in, in, in you know, U.S. culture? 
Yeah, exactly. I'm just trying to normalize it. I mean, I have a... Here's a perfect example. I just got a fucking... I just got a jury summons from California because I kept my California ID so I could have a... So I could buy pot legally when I'm there and smoke it legally when I'm there. So I got... You know, I got fucked. <laughs> Are you going to go? I don't know. I figured out. But I don't know. It's like, yo, man, come on. This this shit's crazy. This world is crazy. We're on a little rock floating in dark, infinite space. And this old man's going to tell me, you know what I mean, what I can do with my conscience. It's like totally ridiculous. And it's like people don't talk about that shit. It bothers me. Especially having what, having come, you know, I came from San Francisco. That shit taught me. Like the mushroom, everything. That shit taught me so much about minds and wisdom and consciousness and like, mo- like time. And it's like, you know. Are you, you able to tell me that I can't do that? Go fuck you, dude. You know what I mean? Straight up. Are you able to create when when you're under the influence of, of anything, or is, or is it something that maybe influences the vision of it more? Yeah, I mean, it's just about how you see life and just being geeked all the time and sort of having that sort of be a, almost a spiritual path. You know what I, mean? I mean, when I was at CalArts, I did all kind of shit where I'd take acid and edit for 24 hours, and <laughs> I made some weird shit, you know? And that was cool. I mean, I, would, I don't do that now. You know, now when I'm editing a piece I love so much, that shit makes me high, you know? Honestly, I'll sit here and drink 12 lattes and puff blunts, but it's like, it's the, it's the work that's really making me high and like, so alive, you know what I mean? Appreciate it. Well, speaking of, you know, your work, you mentioned that, you know, lately your videos have been going from, you know, you said performance-based photography to storytelling shorts. I was wondering if there's if there's like a video or you know a series of videos that sort of exemplifies that change for you, um, and, and you know how that's happening in your work. Um, I mean, like, there's a bunch of steps, and not I was I had a conversation recently about a video that I don't like with somebody, and they're saying, well, you know, well it's on some rap shit, and I was like, yo, not I love rap shit. Don't get me wrong, you know, I love fucking just straight rap shit videos, but I think most most recently. A hump that was made was just that roots video with Dear God. Mm-hmm. It was sort of a point where I was just like, um, let's just go all the way. It was like a three night shoot. We, you know, we didn't make very much money on that. Sort of decon just took took a lump, you know. Yeah. And we just shot the hell out of that thing. It was also sort of a a, a point where it's like sometimes we'll be shooting videos. Um, I was telling Ev this, that was a good friend of mine, we're talking about worst come to worst, there's a shot and worst come to worst, I'm not going to tell you which one it was, but <laughs> we weren't ready to shoot it, and we had lights, and the lights, I wasn't in love with it, but we had to fucking shoot it, or the moment was going to change, and I was like, alright, fuck it, go, you know, and it's always been a moment where I'm like, damn, when I watch that video, like, fuck that one, it could just happen in 20 minutes, you know, <laughs> and it just sticks with you forever, dude, and it's like, I was, I don't know, I shot that, I was probably 20 or something like I, I should have fought you know what I mean a man director would have fought for that shit so it's, I don't know there's a point too where you come where you're like you know what fuck that I'm gonna fight for I'm gonna you know like a, a, a music video or a film or whatever it's a beast dude and you, have to, you have to tame that fucker so it's like you know what I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep fighting this scene until you know until that shit's right you're, it's like the smoke machine needs to warm up we're gonna wait you know it's gonna be okay I'll make, I'll make up for it somewhere else like you know what I mean he's not ready we're gonna get him dressed you know what I mean it came to a point where I was like Every every picture, every moment, whatever has to be right, dude. So I don't know. I think I think probably Dear God was a point where I was like, we're just gonna go three nights. We're gonna take our time, and we're just gonna just fucking shoot the hell out of this thing and make a film, you know? How does that work when you're doing something that's more? You can because you know we we see a lot of videos coming out now that are really graphics intensive. 
um, and maybe they'll just do it on a green screen or something like that, and then they'll and then there's a lot of post production that goes into it. You know, how does that hands-on approach work when you're talking about a video like the Buster Rhymes Nostel the World Go Round video, where it's where it's really graphics intensive? How do you how do you you know get that that quality across there? It's just about how you carry yourself. It's, I mean, it starts from the moment you know I get the song. It's my words, my language, my linguistics, and the treatment. You know, or it's you know whatever videos I send as references and then once we get on set it's how I'm dressed and it's my crew it's the way I talk to my DP and it's the food we fucking get and it's the fact that I swear you know and I'm and I'm smart and I know what I'm doing I have a fucking shot list dude that I broke down I have fucking 58 shots I need to get today and I mean it's like once I understand you're fucking cool you're an artist and you got your shit together and you're both there for the same reason you know what I mean it's that's how that went it was just like dude I've been dying to work with you and I remember even on the bus to set there was a point where I was like yo I don't remember what he said. He said some funny ass line and laughed and didn't kick his next line. And like everyone on set laughed and we I cut it and we were like, yeah, that's awesome. And then we're on, you know, a couple cuts, a couple takes later. I'm like, yo, fuckers love it when rappers laugh, dude. You know, just <laughs> singing a little, a little something in his ear. And he looked at me. He's like, hey, man, you know, I'm, I'm Busta Rhymes. Like he was like, I'm like, oh, right, my bad. Everyone, you know, my bad. You know, it's like, but that sort of little funny interaction where it's like, yo, we're from different fucking places, but we get it. We both get it, you know? Like those little moments are worth a fortune. Who's who's somebody that you were really nervous to work with going in? <coughs> um, I don't know. I mean, Young Buck was that was I was a little, that was a little weird. I had, I had no introduction to that at all. I, I told the story a couple times, but it was like that fucking flew down and got on a tour bus and we were running i didn't know anybody and this bus was full of all his dudes and it was like 18 goons on that motherfucker we pulled right into a show and started shooting immediately i didn't have time to connect with him at all and we were shooting uh losing my mind and he had this um he had this dude tick who's actually rest in peace but he's a really good friend of his and tick we were like four songs in at this club and we're already everyone's soaking wet it's like 90 degrees inside the ceilings are all low and I'm shooting Buck, and Tick walks up to me and puts a towel around my neck and puts a blunt in my mouth and puts a bottle of water down by my feet. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, I'm good, dude. Like, these are great human beings. And just, I don't know what that, I don't know how that happens. But then it's like your comfort level's there, and now you're now I'm making black jokes. He's talking shit about white people. It's like, we're <laughs> fucking, this is great, dude. This is how people should be, and it's an awesome experience. And then him and I are stoners, and bang, it's on. You know, it's just like about connecting on a on a real level, you know? So I guess to answer your question, I was shook with Young Buck because I just, just got thrown into that world with like security and guns and man, we got, I got pulled over on the freeway, the tour bus got pulled over and we got all got spread out on the freeway and they stopped traffic both directions. Like I went through shit with them too and it's like, and you start to develop this relationship with people. Is that unusual when you do these tour documentaries to just get kind of dropped in the situation, no introduction, nothing like that, just you and your equipment? Is that basically how it works? Do you have anybody else with you? Um, I usually just get dropped in there, and it's usually about you know finding. It's something you have to be aware of too. Is finding my balance. Like artists don't want to fucking what they don't want you shooting them while they eat, dude. You know, so <laughs> shit like that. Where it's like you get into, you see what people are comfortable with. Like Pharrell's comfortable with some kind of things, and I know you know when something else happens, it's time to turn the camera off. Or you know when some when someone's phone, you know, it depends on who the phone. You know, it's like you you get into places with people and sort of you have to quickly develop a sense of comfort with how they're how they perceive themselves, how they perceive you, you know and I mean, how they think they're being perceived. You have to sort of act fast generally to just be like, yo, I'm the man. You're the fucking man. Watch this. You know, and you just develop that trust as quickly as possible. I usually, 
will shoot a lot of photos and shit the first couple of days and just be showing if I can get their trust up enough to go stand there for me or just hang on a second for my flash or, you know, whatever it is, just let me art direct this for a second before I do this or place you somewhere and show them and show them that it's worth that extra fucking, you know, 10 seconds of me doing something. Then, you know, you start to think like, all right, cool, hurry up, go watch, whatever. You know what I mean? Start to give you that trust. Uh, Kid Cudi video Mojo So Dope uh, broke 2 million hits on, on YouTube. Um, what do you think was the appeal of that video? Why do you think that was so successful? Um, I mean, I think a lot of... I mean, he's a man. He's, he's a hilarious, wonderful being, you know what I mean, for one. But I think also a lot of that footage, you can you can tell that it's... It, you know, it's like a, it's participatory. It's, you're very interwoven into that world I think is what most people the response I get is it just feels like you're right there with him and he's and he's great in front of the camera you know he knows what to do and I don't know I just think there's a, there's a real sense of heart and you really get a sense of who he is and like how his world works and how insane it is you know and it's like we pick these romantic you know I'm working on one now <clears throat> with some of this footage that I've been shooting but it's like you pick these romantic sort of songs where it's like you know this life is like you know it's insane people think tour is like sex and drugs which it can be but it's also just totally insane travel and work and fucking you know no sleep and bad food and you know mixed with private flights and it's just it's this insane you know it's insane life i think people got a glimpse of that sort of through his through his art i don't know you know what i mean yeah no definitely no that's i think that's I really love the the Kid Cudi videos where you get a glimpse into that because it's you can tell that it, it's it's real you know above everything else. I mean, I mean is is that I mean in terms of what's going on popular with music videos right now, you know I don't know if you're you know if you pay attention to that or all at that at all or or you know what do you think of the current you know popular music video trends right now? You know what's coming it's out? Terrible. It's terrible. I think it's terrible. And I think part of part of these videos, I think why people attach themselves to them is because it, it's sort of discarding all that shit, and it's just a very personal relation. It's a very intimate, personal thing, which I think is much more interesting than another fucking, you know, green screen, another psych with a car and some girls with some flat, you know, it's like, dude, seriously, holy shit. Like, you know, it's, it's some people, you know, I mean, whatever, there's, you know, there's Coke and there's Pepsi, whatever. It's like, you know, people, some people are happy making that shit. People obviously watch that shit, you know. I think what I'm doing and what I'm trying to create and the body of work that I have talks to, you know, a much smaller group of people that are searching for stuff rather than just being fed this shit, you know? So then is it is it more with, you know, because your process seems so organic a lot of the times, and uh, is it more about, um, you know, a self-satisfaction and getting the the art complete than a, than a more commercial success then? Is, is that the more, you know, is that the truer victory there? I don't know. I mean, I I want to fucking be filthy rich, dude. You know, I want to be rich, <laughs> but I'm not gonna. I'm not in that much of a hurry to get there. And I guess is the best way to put it. And my, my cultural, I'm culturally, my currency culturally is awesome. You know, to me that's much more important. And there's always a moment too. I remember when I was young, I was like, fuck it, I'm, I'm really gonna try and be a director. That means, dude, you're not gonna be pulling this shit off really until you're like 40 or 50, dude. You know what I mean? That's just that shit just does not happen. So it's sort of like, and that's sort of how Decon works too, it's just like, let's just be extremely focused and be extremely selective and just take the long uphill joint 
to that top of that peak that we know is there and that we know is possible as long as you, you know, I mean, dedicate your ass, you know, and train and do all that other shit, you know. So what's the peak? What's the? I mean, what what, what path are you on? That you, the, what are you working towards? Um, just like features, you know, what I mean, getting to a point where it's like, all right, yeah. you know, I have this idea that's longer than four minutes. You know, I want to. I have this. You know, I'm writing all, all kind of different ideas. And the first one, where it looks like it's going to go through, is a horror film, which is weird because I'm not really trying to do horror movies, but I'm trying to make. You know, I'm trying to affect people, and I think films are a pretty powerful way. I mean, you can combine. I can combine my photography. I also score and make music and shit too. A lot of audio shit. So it's like I can, you know, compose and score my own shit and shoot frame and shoot it and fucking edit it, write it. You know, what I mean, it's almost like a complete art form once you get to that point. I think. Would this feature have like a like a hip hop influence? You say you mentioned that you know Hype Williams was an influence, um, and uh, you know you think about you know Hype Williams' feature film Belly is just like full of uh, hip hop artists. Would um, would you still have that influence in there? Um, sure, you know I mean this first one no, but I would definitely I'm just you know talking to hip hop producers about scoring it with me, instead of creating that aspect of it, and you know the way of course my shit's gonna be you know, heavily based on imagery and sort of, you know, communication with pictures and juxtaposing ideas and shit more than lines and, you know, Tarantino writey, wordy, talky type of stuff. So I think it would be more of a belly. Although I think that's what we sucked as pretty as it was. You know, I mean, come on. I, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm, if I'm allowed to say that, but. Yeah, I mean, come on. Uh, it looked, it was beautiful. It's like, Jesus, they're making another one. I'm like, oh my God. No. Yeah, I don't know. I I just don't know if if uh, you know to try to get these uh, these rappers to pull off you know true characters and uh, to go through an arc. It seems like it it's a it's a heavy undertaking. It's weird. It's weird. But it also to me you know sort of represents even these fucking rock star musicians still want to be in movies. They're still trying to make their own videos and shit. You know and I mean they're still trying to be movie stars. It says something about sort of the the finality or whatever. I think of films you know in terms of using every art form i mean is it is it uh is it hard to get kid cuddy to do something like you know play Jimi hendrix in a video or are they are they like completely down to do stuff like that um he's i mean if it's a great idea he's open you know what i mean he's open to, to, to fly shit that actually happened very naturally it wasn't i mean i was that went from me being at his crib and him trying to play the guitar to us thinking about concepts to videos and then even us, you know, sort of agreeing on, on what we had. But then the day of, Clark Duke showed up with wigs, dude. <laughs> he showed up with, I might have been Chris Mintz, I should, I should figure that. One of those dudes showed up with the whole thing of wigs. And, and you know, I'm upstairs, we're, we're art directing sort of the backstage area, and I'm working with the art director to come back down, and they're fooling around with wigs. I had nothing to do with that shit. And then he put it on and just was like, what? You know what I mean? Just two, <laughs> no denying how perfect that shit looked. He does look a lot like Jimi Hendrix. It's really yeah. creepy. You know I mean? And so just one of those things that he put on, everyone erupts into laughter. You know, and like I said, the set's awesome. We have awesome people, and everyone's kicking it, and it's a fucking good vibe, and everyone's laughing. And like, fuck it, I'm going to do this. This shit looks great. So this one, that happened really naturally, and it's amazing they did. But the, in the treatment, it wasn't that he was Jimi Hendrix. It was just supposed to be like this old rock shit. I wanted to ask you about some of the comedy stuff you've done, because Doug and I are... we. We love music videos. We also love comedy stuff, and we really enjoy some stuff you do with this guy. I think his name is is his name Gavin McInnes. Yeah, Gavin McInnes. I was wondering because you know there's all these 
music videos and then you have these these other pieces that don't quite fit the mold and i'm thinking of something like uh the penis fishing video right. um or the tear tattoos video which is always just you know him standing on a corner kind of going i was wondering like, where did you meet this guy and um and you know do you i mean how do you is doing comedy videos sort of like a fun some fun side thing or is that something that you see do yourself doing a lot more in the in the future I mean, comedy is just fucking awesome. It's like I think making someone laugh is pretty hard, you know. And so to me, it's just an it's just another interesting way of communicating heart or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just like let's it just comes down to a concept where it's like this is a great idea. Penis fishing. That's what you, that's hilarious, <laughs> dude. And I mean, I don't know if you've seen that. Did you see the Street Magic one we did? Oh, I I know I haven't seen the Street Magic. I mean, he he's on the street on out here in uh, Chinatown, he's, you know, pull a car, the girl pulls a car, and he's like, is this your car? He's like, no, it's wrong. He's like, fuck. Like, is this your car? She's like, no. There's like people, you know, people are gathered, people are standing around. Is this your car? No. Fuck. More people gather around. Is this your car? No. Fuck. He's like, all right, I'm sorry, I blew it. That sucks. God damn it. And everyone starts to walk away, and he's like, wait, I know where it is. And he bends over and pulls his pants down and pulls the car out of his ass. Like, nice. That's a great, that's fucking hilarious. Do you know what I mean? It's like, let's go do it. I don't know. I think it's just, the best ideas are ones where it's like I, I, you know, it's like a couple, you know, maybe like four sentences. I get it. I'm in. You know, now let's figure out how to make this perfect. But that, you know, what I mean, it's just concepts. Like I'm saying, it's like the idea is so important to me. So like, whether it's comedy or like I said, I'm doing this horror film, this, this movie called Lurk, which I'm working on. It's like horror. I told I told this guy I was like, dude, I don't want to get stuck. If this is good and become successful, I don't want to get stuck making horror films. I'm trying to make films with light and you know, help the world and I'm not trying to create fear and racism and all the shit that exists in this in this one idea but it's a great idea so it's like all right, I'm gonna fucking do it because it's just smart you know what I mean it's just interesting and I would be interested to watch this you know what I mean unfold so when it comes since uh since you've already built such a name for yourself kind of in um one medium in the music video medium is it uh is it more difficult to choose what's gonna be that first film you know because uh, you know, you mentioned that uh, Belly kind of sucked. Um, you know, and Hype Williams didn't really do any movies after that. Um, you know, so are you worried that you know, kind of your first your first one out is going to be really defining? Uh, I'm not trying to put too much on it. I mean, I feel like you know, I mean, I have movies that are out already. They're just smaller budgets, still a gigantic thought. You know, so it's like I'm not putting that much on it. But I, I think also in my mind. <clears throat> staying true to my my musical tastes and sort of being you know very selective with the artists I work with and waiting you know I get I got mad you know especially when I was broke and just out of college like mad songs from artists that had okay budgets you know but it's like I don't want to fucking do that dude and I don't want that to sort of like be a part of my what did you have in, in middle school you had a permanent I don't want that part of my permanent record dude <laughs> you know I mean I don't want that R and B shit on my permanent record so it's like. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep eating pollo loco for a little longer and fucking, you know what I mean? So it's like that's, that whole attitude has sort of um, behooved me in, the, in terms of now <clears throat> finally getting to a place. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm man enough to say that I think I can tell a 72-minute or an 80-minute story, but it's going to be music-driven and it's going to be weird and it's going to fucking fuck you up because that's how my work is. And you're not asking me to make a film unless you like my body of work, you know what I mean? Just sort of retaining my same shit all the way through, whether it's horror or comedy or. You know what I mean. So, what can so, we look out for uh, from you in the near future? What have you What have you got in the pipeline? Well, I'm 
trying to get this movie Lurk off the ground. I'm working with this guy, Wade Davis, who's a Nat Geo explorer. <clears throat> Him and I are going to shoot a film in India and um, follow the Ganges River from, from the ice up, up in the Himalayas, melting all the way through the country, and it runs down eventually into the Indian Ocean. So we're going to do a... a uh, and even that, you know what I mean? Our, the treatment for that is very melodically driven and, and based on harmonies and shit and like you know the smells and all kind of shit no voiceover and no Nat Geo bullshit like that even that you know is going to be very melodically driven and experimental and even psychedelic you know and, and it's in a nutshell um, what the fuck else going on? I've got mad music videos and I'm going to work, to work with Evidence again who has been a collaborator for a long time we got a book his album's coming out he's about to, I think he might have actually announced his release date but it's coming up and we're going to do a couple of videos together I'm excited about that and working with um, Qbert on this experimental performance shit we're trying to do together what else are going on just photo books fucking I was not expecting you to say Nat Geo uh, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome um I mean, so you, you know how how remember when you were a kid and you used to collect those shits and fucking collage those shits and now it's like some corny it's like fishing giant tuna like <laughs> dumb as shit it's just so destructive and just stupid and it's like dude you know can we please get back to like expanding our you know what I mean instead of just being like these weird spectators of just this dumb shit you know that's such a respectable institution yeah yeah definitely it would used to be i guess yeah you know well cool well, blogs i got blogs hype these blog and never not fresh and we just uh, launched goldwatch.com which you know putting up images words i'm hoping to put a book out sort of in the same vein once i get enough of these together you've got a lot of uh you post a lot of interesting stuff my favorite is the japanese girl playing the guitar with her vagina yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. i oh, took man. a lot of that stuff and you know Kubert is doing a mix for Japanese uh, earthquake relief. And so um, I cut a bunch of images I had to a bunch of these mixes he did and some just weird-ass editing, multi-layered edits and shit. And put that girl was one of the clips in there, but I sent it to him and then didn't hear back from him for a minute. And I was like, yo, what's up, man? Fucking, what's going on? You don't feel it? Like, you don't feel this or what? <laughs> and then we ended up getting to it. He's like, eventually, he was just like, dude, it's not weird enough. And I was like, god damn, you are a weird human being. It's not weird enough. <laughs> Actually, like, the only the only other person that's ever told me that has been Alchemist, and fucking he ended up regretting saying that <laughs> shit. I actually <laughs> wanted to ask you about about you know what you kind of what you think about the internet because one of your videos, ga- the gangrene all bad video, is clips of people, if I'm not mistaken, reacting to two girls one cup, which I loved. Um, it seems like you 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 know the Never Not Fresh blog has so much like interesting content from around the web. I mean, is that something that you, you like going to do is like kind of combing the web for like weird shit? Yeah. And just using it as sort of a a gay cultural gauge, you know, it's really interesting what flows to the surface or, you know, you know, what shows up on a bunch of different blogs at once. It's fascinating to me. Definitely. And then the shit, you know, I'm trying to do it's alchemist and Kubert and I, and it's just three busy human beings can't fucking really get it together, but it's like the base (laughs) on all that shit where it's just this pop you know, new new pop or just be like Alf Deets and you know Kubert and I are he's scratching and I'm cutting the same footage the same sounds and it's just weird performance thing that we're trying to get together but it's based on just 
in the immediacy of shit. Yeah. Well, did you did you see the Rebecca Black Friday video when it came out? Yeah, I did actually. That was a great interview. It was, yeah. Uh, Jason is a really awesome guy, and. Um, I think it's safe to call him our boy after that. I think so. Do people like being called your boy, though? I don't understand. I don't, I don't know if they like it or don't like it, but uh, it's probably depending on the person. Mm-hmm. I hope that he, I hope that he likes it because otherwise, um, that will be the first and the last interview with Jason Goldwatch. You should really check out uh, Penis Fish, by the way. Penis fishing, penis fish. Penis fishing, penis fishing. Right. Yeah, I don't think. If there's such a thing as penis fish, probably don't check that no, out. Don't do not Google penis fish. Penis fish ing with the ing at the end. Yes, it comes highly recommended. It's, it, it, we, we'll give it the filmed insert bump, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is really a significant bump if you didn't know. It is. It is like it's the difference between five visits and eight or nine. <laughs> easily easily the difference between five or eight or nine so i have a pick ready for this week oh uh, i'm in the canon with my pick as well oh you are well uh let's let's hear it uh my pick for this week is um a really kind of hilarious video which is kind of typical of my choices um it's by a, a band called Cloud Nothings. You may have heard Cloud, of Cloud Nothings because they, um, one of our one of the friends of the podcast, Matt Wells, directed a really awesome video for them. Uh, they have a lot of awesome videos, two of which are directed by Alan Cordell. One of which is my pick of the week this week, and it's a music video called Understand It All. Real, uh, let's see. I'm going to try to not use the term really funny or really crazy or really awesome for the rest of this description because those are words that I use constantly. Um, So I'm going to try to use something more descriptive. Uh, This video is really badass Mm -hmm. and uh, really dope and um, really side-splitting. So... Uh, there's there's my pick being more uh, better. You made it. I didn't hear any of those words. I did it. No, but it, it, but really, it's a really cool video. It, it, it incorporates a lot of effects uh, <laughs> that at points you you aren't sure if they're effects or if your computer is fucking up. Uh, but I assure you that they're effects. And, uh, and, and it, it just, it is, it's wild. It's a wild video, which is typical of the work of Alan Cordell. You remind me of this video, because I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, you don't remember this one, Adam. I threw a curveball at you. You were sitting here ready. You're like, Doug's probably going to pick Hey Cool Kid, the other Cloud Nothings video. But I didn't. Uh, I didn't pick that one. Um, in this video, a uh, kind of like a like a gypsy, maybe, a, a sorcerer of some kind, goes into a convenience store 
uh, collect some various items and makes some kind of hobo chili type drink and then drinks it and then turns into an old man and then this old man is it's an old man in like a velvet suit and chains and then the old man gets tackled by uh, like a, secu- a security guard looking man with a with a torch flaming torch tackles this guy and then the, and then the two of them fight it's uh, I do really... I, I watch all of Alan Alan's videos and I don't remember that. you missed this one this one slid past you and I you know I wondered why we didn't cover it in the interview and, and the reason is probably because this is a five hole this one got past you so uh ooh five hole nice hockey reference yeah I gave it to you I did it it was for you probably just for you let's go Bruins they actually giveaways when we're recording this it's in the middle of uh what you're about to talk about will not date this podcast whatsoever. It will, it will make sure that this podcast is relevant through the ages, mm-hmm. your sports reference. Right. So hit us with it. Sports reference is the fifth game of the uh, Bruins Lightning series home game here. And let's check on what's going on right now. I think it's 1-1. One, <laughs> one. It's 1-1. One, one. It is. Oh, come on. Sportacular. Yeah, it's uh, 442 left in the second, and it's 1-1. It's here in Boston. Uh, so Eastern Standard Eastern time. Standard Time, right. That's nice. It's uh, 941 Eastern Standard Time on uh, May 23rd, 2011. Oh, God. Uh, do you remember the last DIY filmmaking podcast where I'm not there for the whole first half because I'm <laughs> – because I'm watching the decision to see where. Oh see my where, God! I can't believe. Oh, I remember that. To see what team LeBron James is gonna join. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. Uh, oh, man. Uh, there's something. I think we got something in there. We're being pretty unprepared. Oh yeah. Um, wait, wait. What are you talking about? The podcast. This one. Yeah. We didn't do my pick yet. Fine. Fine, you get a pick. Oh, you're gonna hate my pick too. It's Lil Wayne's six foot seven foot video. <laughs> no, wait. Is that the one Buster Rhymes? No. Oh, okay, I do hate this one then. What's up <laughs> with Buster Rhymes and Chris Brown? I don't know. Lil Wayne's in so many things. That's the problem. Come on, everything. The, do the one with Chris Brown and Buster Rhymes. No, I'm doing the one with uh, Hype Williams. Uh, two ones, Bruins. Um, so <laughs> the. Anyway, I love this. I don't know. I love this song. It came out in on December sixteenth, uh, two thousand ten, just in time for Christmas. You may have seen him and Eminem on Saturday Night Live, uh, performing the No Love uh, song, and then for the second one, Eminem did a song, I think, and then Lil Wayne did this this one, Six Foot Seven Foot, which is the first single off the Carter Four, and um, it's really it's pretty much all just Lil Wayne and Corey Guns at the end but it's just just non-stop kind of metaphors and things like that so basically the video is they try to take as many of those lines and kind of visually represent them as you know as something on the screen so so it's like a Lonely Island video mm, not really I mean they're kind of selective of what the, what they what they uh, what they represent so here's an example one of the lines is, real G's move in silence like lasagna. Get it? Because you don't pronounce the G in lasagna? 
Right. So during that, during that line, he's sitting with a plate of lasagna. So there's a lot, there's tons and tons of different setups. Actually, they were going to premiere this on MTV and then delay it, which I don't, um, I can definitely see how that happened because it's tons and tons of, of setups and shots and things like that. But I mean, I get that concept. The other concept that was going on is something to do with Inception. Because um, at the beginning of the video, he's falling backwards into the bathtub. Like, um, who's the, one of the guys does in, in, in Inception. Yeah, I mean, it happened several times in Inception. Yeah. I'm convinced that that part of the video is just Lil Wayne was watching Inception. <laughs> and he was like, oh, that's dope. Y'all need to put me in a chair and push me backwards, too. That, that's my little Wayne impression. And it's, it's horrible. Listen, I need to... I need... Like, that was bad. That was like the baby from the Cleveland show. That was a better impression of. Ronell? What was his name? I don't know. I don't watch that show enough. <clears throat> or, uh, clearly, I don't listen to Little Wayne enough, either, to do a good Little Wayne impression. However, his disposition, I think I got accurately. I think yeah, I think you pretty accurately summed that up. And actually, they do the they do a, a parody of or not a parody, but they reference the um, van dropping sequence as well. They're all in the van. It's it's dropping. a parody. No, no, but like, but basically that's okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, but any did anybody multiply in a, in, a, in an inception? Inception. There was no like multiple people, right? I mean, I I guess in, in theory. No, but there wasn't like clones like walking around. No, not that I recall. Because part of the video is them on like a cityscape, reminiscent of the one of the levels in, in Inception, and they're all cloned. It's either Corey Guns or Lil Wayne or a bunch of a bunch of scantily clad women. So maybe they just sort of saw like the first like half an hour of Inception. I don't think I. Yeah, right. Like they didn't watch the rest of the thing. It's like Inception looked crazy. I bet you there's clones. <laughs> It's probably Do it. I don't I don't remember. I fell asleep for half of it. So part of it was my real dream. So that's probably what happened. His real dream had clones in it and he really <laughs> fell asleep during Inception. Without uh, without further ado, uh, let's check out uh, our interview with Jason Goldwatch. Without further ado, let's check out our interview with Mr. Jason Goldwatch. So without further ado, let's check out our interview with Jason Goldwatch. I think we got it. 